Hello, and welcome to Maine Golf Talk. We are your hosts, Zach Zonlo and Henry Fall. In these podcasts, we'll be discussing what makes Maine Golf so special. We'll be sharing our own experiences and knowledge as both players and coaches. We'll also branch out to discuss hot topics in the game and chat with special guests to hear their stories. All to keep you in the know and help you improve your game. Let's get into today's podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of Maine Golf Talk. I know it's been a while since uh, we actually released a recent episode, but uh, Henry and I finally found some time, whether it's uh, his traveling all over Scotland to uh, Sugarloaf and my busyness. We finally found some time to uh, talk a little U.S. Open and what's going on with the uh, the world of uh, Maine golf. So, Henry, what's, uh, what have you been up to? Where are you at? And uh, how's the life of a uh, looper? Well, I am in the other Portland uh, on the West Coast, Portland, Oregon. And it is a little smoky here. If uh, anybody's been watching the news, there are some pretty uh, – Pretty crazy wildfires going on up and down the West Coast, and uh, Portland, Oregon is actually probably the hub of those wildfires. Uh, air quality index is up around four or five hundred, um, so we are uh, on a little bit of a delay here with the tournament, but um, hopefully we get things going here um, starting Friday. They push it back to Friday, so. Um, but yeah, travel's been good and. Um, and having some fun. We just got done with the the ANA inspiration down in Palm Springs. Um, that was a really uh, really fun event. Interesting finish there. If anyone was watching, with Brooke Henderson and um, Nellie Corda and then Miram Lee chipping in three times on the last day. That was pretty pretty crazy to watch. But we uh, we had a good you know pretty solid week. Made the cut and um, man, that course uh, last day was firm and fast. That was tough. Yeah, that was quite the finish there uh, at the ANA. And, uh, you know, we also had some exciting uh, golf on the other side for the men's tour. And we also got some exciting golf now here uh, this week at Winged Foot, host of uh, the 2020 U.S. Open. So it's, yeah, was- uh, it's kind of weird to uh, think about uh, September and golf is being played for a major that's the U.S. Open. Has it been uh, – it's been a while since uh, the PGA, but uh, we're in for a couple of good weeks of golf here. Yeah, it was interesting. I was watching Golf Channel last night, and they were doing a, a story about how, I guess, the USGA's relationship with Wingfoot and how there's been, um, you know, why the gap has been so many years between, uh, you know, between 2006 and now, and then prior to 2006, I think it was like 20-something years uh, between U.S. Opens there, and it's um, between traffic and membership, it's, uh, it's been a long road back to Wingfoot, but, um, everyone I've, uh, uh, heard talk about the golf course. It's one of their favorites and, um, probably between that and Oakmont for the two most challenging courses in the, in the country. Yeah. I think, uh, Tiger actually came out uh, today and said that Wingfoot might be one of the hardest golf courses he's ever played. And granted he hasn't played Sugarloaf, so who knows? 
Yeah, I mean, Sugarloaf from the tips. I, we got to make that happen. Come on, USGA. We can get those green speeds up to 13, 14, put those spins in some unputtable positions. I think front right on, Yeah, front right on nine. Go for it. Yeah, right, <laughs> uh, right on that false front. So, Henry, let's, uh, let's get into our picks. You know, we're going to make this uh, quick, easy. For those uh, that listened last time, we picked two inside the top 10. We picked one from 11 to 30, one from 31 to 50, and then one 51 and beyond. The, uh, the big news, of course, Brooks Kepka is out of the U.S. Open. So we have only nine picks to choose from inside the top 10. But, uh, Henry, I'm going to let you start it off. We're going to uh, start with our highest-ranked golfers first. So we're going to go in that 51 and beyond category. Yeah, the other – just quickly, the other shocker, too, was um, Scotty Scheffler uh, coming down with COVID this past week. Uh, he was definitely one of my sleeper picks, again, uh, having such a great run here down the stretch. But anyways, with my uh, – 50 and above uh, ranking. I am going with Phil Mickelson. Um, now, before we go into the whole history with Phil there at Wingfoot, um, there was there was five stats I kind of looked at for this event. Um, I looked at scrambling, uh, strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, and uh, three putt avoidance. Sorry, four stats, three putt avoidance. Um, and the reason being for those is it sounds like, uh, you know, the course hasn't quite firmed up as maybe as much as like Olympia Fields was when they had that tournament a few weeks back, which kind of played like the U.S. Open. But so the course is still playing relatively long. Um, sounds like the rough you can get out of, but not, um, you know, you still got to get it out there far enough where you can have like a wedge in. So it, it sounds like it might benefit the longer hitter. Uh, the greens have a lot of sections, so I like someone that's hitting quality iron shots, uh, quality iron shots, so strokes gained approach, and then scrambling and three-putt avoidance. You look at those greens there at Wingfoot, um, they look pretty diabolical, especially that 18th green. I don't know if you saw a video on that. That was crazy. And, uh, you know, Phil's not very accurate off the tee, but he's still got some length. He's played well there before, obviously. And um, you look at his scrambling ability, and I just, uh, I, I just think the storyline would be great. Be great to see him contend. You see, I, uh, I think uh, Phil's going to uh, write those demons. I actually am in agreement with you on this one, more or less, uh, just because it's Phil Mickelson at Wingfoot, and we all know Phil's great history at Wingfoot. Um, you know, last, last time he played there in 2006, of course, he had the lead going into the final hole, it's double, but you know, he, he had won the previous two majors that year or the previous two majors, I guess, cause masters and the PGA in 2005, but you know, he was off to a great start there. Of course, hits his tee shot way left, makes double on 18, loses to Jeff Ogilvy. But I think he's, this is kind of his year. Like you said, he's he's a scrambling wizard, and that's going to really set him up well for for this golf course. 
you know, I think, uh, I think it would be just a great storyline. I mean, you got Phil Mickelson who had probably, that was probably his best chance to win a U.S. Open and he wins it when he's 51 after his last start was on the champion store. I think that's pretty cool. So I'm going Phil Mickelson in that 51 plus category. You know, you had some pretty good ones in that category as well. You know, I picked Jordan Spieth last, last time I am, I am off the Jordan Spieth bandwagon for now. There is nothing going on with Jordan Spieth in his golf game right now. So Jordan, until you show something like a make cut, I'm off. Throwing Throwing it out right now. So for me, for my 31 to 50, I was really torn between a couple players. Uh, I, I had Brendan Todd, who's been playing well lately. You know, he played really well in the Thor Championship, had a chance. You have Eric Van Ruyen, who's always finds himself up on the leaderboard in majors. And I actually went with Matthew Wolf. I think his, uh, his game is uh, his driving. He you know, played well at uh, the PGA Championship. His driving distance, he's out there. If you can keep the driver somewhat in play, I think he's got a really good chance and I don't know. I like, I like these young guns that uh, aren't afraid to go after it. So I'm going Matthew Wolf on the pick. Yeah. I really like that pick. He's been, uh, he seems to show up on those uh, tougher courses a little bit too. And as you say, seems to be trending. Um, yeah. I, you know, I just think that Wingfoot looks like one of those courses where, you know, they've, they've talked up this like hitting fairways in the U S open, but it seems to me like, um, you know, I was listening up a part on Brandel Chambly talking about scrambling there in years past. And, uh, I know a lot of people don't like Brandel so much, but, um, I think his takes are pretty good. And you look at, at scrambling and, and sort of that three putt avoidance at, at a place like Wingfoot, And it just seems like if you get it around the green and you can chip and putt, you got a chance. I mean, like, look at the guys that played well there in 2006, Phil Mickelson, Jim Furyk. Right. So, that being the case, I like Jason Day. Again, I picked him at the PGA, played well there, um, you know, was right there on Sunday. Uh, he's been a little quiet the past few weeks, but, um, you know, he's still one of the best putters in the world, and I like his short game. Um, he's got all the sauce, and, I, uh, yeah, he's my he's my pick for 31 to 50. And then going on from uh, 11 to 30 in the world, I am going with Terrell Hatton. Uh, guy plays well in big tournaments. Uh, looked like he played pretty well at uh, down in Atlanta, East Lake, and uh, even some of the weeks leading up to that, it's been playing pretty solid golf. Um, puts it really well. Uh, just seems like he's just a, a gamer. You know, he doesn't do anything great, but he just scores well and. Um, I think that's the type of game that translates well at a U.S. Open. You know, I, I think that's a great pick. He's uh, he's got that tenacity, that drive, and I love you know when he when he gets all frustrated and just blows up. <laughs> it's great. You know, it seems like it kind of feels like me when I get mad on the golf course. So, uh, I'm actually going uh, across across the lake as well, uh, across the pond. Uh, I was torn. I had, I had two options here. I like Matthew Fitzpatrick in this pick as well as Tommy Fleetwood. I, 
I got to go with Fleetwood just because his experience in majors. Again, another guy that for some reason just steps up in majors and somehow finds a way to get his name on top of that leaderboard or near the leaderboard. Uh, disappointing finish there at the PGA Championship, but uh, I think I think this is going to be his his tournament. I mean, he seems to find a way to keep the ball in play. When he gets his putter going, he's pretty unstoppable and. I think uh, I think this might be the the one tournament that uh, Tommy Fleetwood wins and gets his first major. So my two top ten picks, I'm going with the reigning defending PGA champion Colin Morikawa. I mean, the kid's a ball striker, and just shows that he is one of the best in the world. And there's a reason why he's now inside the top ten. Last time I picked him, he was uh, inside the top 30. So big jump up the uh, up the world rankings, and his iron play I think is going to keep him uh, in contention this week. I mean he's he's got the whole game, the whole package. His mind for his age is just absolutely incredible. You know, I'm, I keep thinking back to the uh, driver he hit, not not just at the uh, PGA Championship there, but the one at uh, the Mo- uh, well, it wasn't the Memorial, but when they played at Muirfield, you know, he hits driver up there, plays his odds correctly, and hits it up there tight, and then does the same thing at the uh, PGA Championship to basically close it out. So, I like Colin Morikawa here. I think it would be pretty cool to see a two-time uh, major winner after uh, three majors. And my other pick, you just got to go with the hot hand right now. You got to go with the world number one, Dustin Johnson. It's it's his time. I mean, they give him so much shit for not winning majors, not winning the big tournaments. He just pulled it off at the Tour Championship. He's on a great run right now. And I think his just his mindset's a little bit better now and I think he's his his game is just all all around solid. So DJ gonna be hosting uh the trophy at the end of the uh end of the week yeah hard to uh hard to disagree with you there on dj i don't see how he i mean i can't imagine him finishing outside the top 10 anyways the way he's been playing um but i did not pick him for uh one through 10 here um i went with two guys that have been in pretty good form here um my first one is uh, Xander Shoffley, um, the actual winner at East Lake. <clears throat> Sorry, Dustin, but Xander actually shot the lowest score for those four days, if anyone really cares. Um, but, you know, I, I looked at some of the stats. You know, strokes gained off the tee is pretty high up there. It looked like he was a little off of the driver at East Lake and still was able to win. I think he was lowest score by a couple of shots for the week. Um, but he just puts the lights out. I just – another one of those gamers, like him and Terrell Hatton, I just feel like they're going to be there come Sunday. And uh, so I I don't have him winning the tournament. I have him winning the Masters. I've said that this whole year. I think he's going to win – he's going to put on the, the green jacket this fall. But um, I still think he'll be there come Sunday. And my top pick is uh, – 
as John Rahm. Um, statistically, all four of those categ categories, I think he was like top 20 in every category. Um, scrambling, three-putt avoidance, everything. He's just, he's just a stud. I think, uh, I think he's righted some demons this season. I, you know, I said the PGA, I didn't feel like he was quite ready. Um, what he showed me at Olympia Fields a few weeks back and, and even the way he played at Eastlake where he didn't quite have his A game for him to, to still shoot some good scores, I think, uh, I think it speaks volumes. I think his, uh, his game's really coming together. He's in a good place. And uh, I think it's his time. I really do. Do you think uh, – I, I, I love the pick on Rom because – I mean, look at the courses that he's won at this year, and they've been the yep. toughest golf courses that uh, that have been on the tour. So I really like that pick. I was torn with Rom as well. I mean, those those two putts that DJ and Rom hit at Olympia Fields. I mean, absurd, absurd. I know we've we've missed a lot of golf and a lot of recaps, but those two <laughs> putts were just absolutely insane. I. I got to catch the end of that. I was uh, actually traveling for the, uh, towards the chapter championship down in uh, Samoset and I got the end of it. And I mean, those, those butts just blew my mind. I was losing my mind. Nobody else cared at the bar. <laughs> um, we got done. We got done. The, uh, I forget what tournament we were at and uh, we got back to the hotel and it was on for like half an hour. And DJ makes that putt after taking like, it took like 10 minutes to read that him and his brother. And I just looked at Dan. I was like, are you effing kidding me? <laughs> like that thing dropped. And then Rom drops on top of it. I was just like, is that like whole, like in a perfect bowl where it just absolutely goes in every time? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it, it must've been because those putts were, I didn't think either one of them had a chance at DJs. I didn't even think he got it to the Ridge and just slowly trickled and then just took off and, thank God it hit the pin because that was not going in otherwise. Yeah. I just, I, I really hope that this, this U S open lives up to like that type of tournament where we got a, we got a tight finish down the stretch. I mean, it, this course looks like it produces, um, you know, the best players show up and, uh, uh, you know, what, what do you want to see for a score? That's what I'm interested in. What do you want to see? That was actually going to be my next question. Um, I think, I think one over, even two over. I want to see somewhere around there. Uh, you know, last last time that they held it back in two thousand six, the winning score was five over par. That was the first time all players had uh, shot over par for the tournament since like nineteen seventy eight. So, I I wouldn't want to see that difficult. Where I mean, it's nearly you know impossible for some of these guys, but. I want to see where even par, if you can shoot even par, you're going to put yourself in contention. I, I don't want to see a nine, 10 under win. I want to see one over, even one under. Yeah. I think I saw, I saw a quote from the, the superintendent there saying he, he's hoping it's eight over. <laughs> um, I, I just don't think that's going to happen unless they really get crazy with the pins. And if that were to happen, you know that the USGA would get more backlash and they've already had enough over the past decade. I, I think 
it, it kind of looks like they're starting to be a little more conservative here. They're wanting to go back to some of these old traditional courses, your Wingfoots, your Oakmonts, your Pebbles. And uh, I just think that, um, you know, Old Man Parr, uh, like you said, I think that would definitely put you right up there come Sunday. I, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, I mean, I was, I was doing quick math. I mean, it's what par 70. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, they have some long, they have one, one of the longest par fives in championship history. So it's, it's going to be a, a ball strikers course. You keep the ball in play, you make a couple putts, you're going to be, uh, be right up there. Yeah, that always seems to be a factor is the par, too. You look at the par 70 U.S. Open courses. Uh, I want to say Marion was par 70. And that was over par as well, that one. Um, those par 70 courses always seem to be just a little bit tougher because you don't have those two other par fives. So, yeah, I, I got to imagine that even or over par is going to win this. I, I just don't see it getting too low. All right, so let's uh... – Let's talk a little main golf now. Main golf, what's that? <laughs> let me uh, let me catch you up on what's uh, what's transpiring. So, the big news today: the MSGA has cut the field size at the upcoming Team Four Ball at Belgrade. Uh, they had a massive sign up this year, which is great. But their concern is the fact that it's now being held in sept- late September and the daylight just isn't there. So they had to cut teams. And kind of the discussion right now is which way should they have cut it? And, you know, I, I can see it both ways. So I'm not, I'm not bashing MSGA right now. I just think it's, uh, it's definitely up for debate. So what they decided to do was go based off team handicap. And so you're going to get the best players competing for the team championship. The other thought is do it based on signups and the teams that signed up the earliest get to compete, you know, kind of give, give those teams that are jacked up to play and want to play and sign up when, as soon as possible give them and let them play. So very interesting. It's unfortunate that it had to happen this way and MSGA made the right call in limiting the field, but definitely some, uh, some big news out here. Yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Um, you know, I guess, uh, hindsight's 2020. I bet they wish they had, um, maybe gone about, the entry is a little bit different in the beginning, but um, yeah, I I get the team handicap part of it. You you definitely want to see, uh, I guess the the best players and best teams contending, um, but unfortunately, it comes at the uh, I guess elimination of other players. So I don't know. I don't really know if I have a say on this one, Zach. Yeah, it was it was a little discussion. Uh, Eric McClure brought it up to me today, and I thought it was uh, pretty interesting. So, all right. So, uh, what else did you miss here? Uh, so we 
uh, we held a couple uh, main chapter events. And, uh, of course, we had our chapter championship down at Samoset and Rockland. I have to tell you, every golf course right now that I've played lately is in incredible shape. So I'm not going to tell you that these courses are in incredible shape every time we talk about them. But Rockland, Samoset, we had the uh, Pro-Am Championship down at Waterville. And despite the fact that we've basically had a drought lately, these courses are great right now. Uh, I had played Kibo Valley a couple days before the chapter championship. My fiance and I, we went up there, kind of just got away from Sugarloaf for a little bit. And it was right after the member guest and Peter, I was watching it. Peter DeVos puts on a, a great, great event. He's one of the best professionals in the state of Maine. And uh, again, course greens, lightning fast condition is immaculate. I think I posted a picture of uh, hole number four, but uh, we, uh, they were doing some work on the back, the outer nine, what they call it. So we actually played just the inner nine. And that's a, that's a neat set of holes. So it's one through five, uh, 15, 16, 17, and 18. So you got uh, you got the par five fifth, you got two par threes, you got the drivable sixteenth, uh, Taft bunker. I was trying to get a video of uh, Kayla because she actually joined me and played with me that day. I wanted to take a video of her trying to get out of the Taft bunker. I think it took <laughs> about six or seven shots, and she just gave up. I I don't even think she got out. They were gonna have to rename the uh, the bunker. <laughs> But uh, yeah, it's uh, golf courses in Maine right now, Henry. You're missing out because they're they're all great. They're we're about to get to uh, some pretty peak foliage here. I would say Sugarloaf's going to see it in about two weeks. We're starting to see some color, and if you're trying to golf in Maine right now, you got to start booking your tee times because if our course is any indication, Maine golf is thriving, and it's hard to get a tee time. Uh, I think uh, Friday and Saturday for Sugarloaf, we got 215 and 205. So hopefully uh, hopefully no frost to, uh, to track that, but uh, it's going to be a great finish to the, uh, the end of the golf season here. Yeah, it sounds, uh, sounds great. I'm excited to get back there. Should be back next Monday or Tuesday. It just depends on the wildfires out here in Oregon. But, uh, yeah, it'll be nice to play a few rounds of golf, hopefully, while I'm while I'm back in, uh, in the great state. All right. So before we, uh, we close it all out, let's, uh, let's hear what you've been up to. Let's, uh, let's hear a little recap about, uh, your trip over to, uh, Scotland. Scotland. Well, I got to encourage everyone on this call. If you guys get a chance, I would, uh, I would definitely go over there and play some golf. I mean, the courses are just up and down both coasts. Um, but Royal Troon, um, I mean, just exceptional, uh, you know, it's not rated as one of like the top five or 10 in, in Scotland from what I understand, but, um, it, it's just beautiful and, uh, so much character there and, you know, it's had a, a storied history, some major champions, uh, so many major championships, sorry, that have been, uh, been held there and, and some great players that have won there, um, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely worth the trip. And then, you know, you go to the other coast where we had, we had the, 
the Scottish at uh, the Renaissance, they call it. Uh, Renaissance, I say, but Renaissance, apparently. Uh, cool new, that's a more of a new links course, but, um, you know, a lot of good tracks right around there. St. Andrews is on the other side of the, the bay there. Um, but, you know, uh, uh, Muirfield is right there, right across the street. And, uh, you know, it, it's worth a trip. That place is, uh, I mean, Edinburgh is just beautiful. We couldn't really go outside cause we're, you know, we're essentially in a bubble, but, um, you know, even just driving to the golf courses, it's just, uh, if you're, if you're a golf, an avid golfer and you love the sport, it's, it's the place to be. So you've been, uh, what is it now? Six or seven weeks on tour, uh, Ken for Dana. What's, uh, what's the biggest takeaway that you see from these players that, uh, separate them from, you know, your, scratch handicapper your you know plus one plus two handicapper i mean uh, yeah their games are a little more refined their their misses are smaller they're you know they might hit a little further they're you know obviously they put in the practice and stuff and and, and look they've all competed on a collegiate level a professional level i mean some of these some of these women like uh, you look at Last week at the ANA, um, you know, Rose Zhang and Gabri Ruffles, who are two amateurs, they're both, I mean, Rose Zhang, I don't even think is in college yet. And then Gabby Ruffles is like a freshman. And they both were like top 20 at last week's ANA. So these, these women are just ready to go. And, you know, I, yeah, their games are a little more refined, but, you know, a lot of it too is just um, their attention to detail and, the core strategy, you know, I posted a couple things on Instagram, like the yardage books that we have and green books. And, you know, those little things can help as well. It's not just shoot the pin and hit your number. It's like, okay, well, what do I want to carry it? What's the wind doing? You know, okay. What's the altitude here at Sugarloaf versus, um, you know, versus uh, Palm Springs, you know, all those things add up and, um, you know, caddies can help too, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, they do have a lot of talent and they've been at it for a long time. And, um, you know, a lot of us have other jobs and things to do, so we don't get to put in as, as much work either. We have, uh, we have jobs that we actually have to do stuff at. Stop it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not counting down or anything, but there's, uh, only 34. Four days left of uh, Sugarloaf's golf season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you guys are in Portland this week. Uh, coming back home, what's uh, what's the next schedule for you? Well, plan is to come back. You get tested a couple times with everything that's going on and the mandates, and then uh, getting back in the campus. But um, after that, I'll be with the team for a little bit. Uh, and then we have the shop right in New Jersey and the KPMG in Pennsylvania. Um, and then there's a few weeks off sort of with the Asia swing that um, looks to be canceled, unfortunately, but um, happy to uh, see they added an event in Georgia as well. So uh, there's still tournaments coming up and then, you know, the ultimate goal is to also get in the U S open um, in December, which is down in Texas this year. So, 
um, between that and, you know, Bates with uh, being able to practice and everything, uh, lots to look forward to. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, pretty exciting here. We, uh, I don't know if you noticed, heard, but uh, high school golf is a go. Uh, nice. First, first, uh, first matches start on Friday. So uh, quick season. I think uh, I think there's three weeks. Uh, I know uh, my team. Uh, we have seven matches uh, now. Actually, six because of uh, one cancellation. But uh, six matches. Then we have our qualifier slash conference championship all in one lump, and then hopefully team states, individual states at uh, Natanis. So quick season. But I'm you know I'm kind of glad that the uh, high school sports are a go and we get uh get to see some junior golf here i think i heard something about like college i mean sorry college uh, high school football though is a no so are any of these uh these athletes from other sports that aren't able to participate are they coming over to golf have you seen any of that or heard of any of that i've heard a little bit um you know for for my team mount abram we don't actually have a uh football team so it really hasn't affected us, but I've had uh, three new kids add on in the last five or six days. So, uh, you know, three, uh, two freshmen and uh, four seniors with, uh, with guys uh, jacked up to uh, play some uh, competitive golf. Nice. Yeah. I'm excited to see how that unravels. And it's good to, uh, good to see that you guys are able to um, have a season. Yep. So, uh, we're, uh, we're excited. Uh, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of cool things coming up, uh, to finish off the season. Uh, there's all kinds of great events. Like I said, the club team to, uh, for those that got in, um, you know, we have, of course, uh, for Sugarloaf, we have the fall finale to end off the, uh, the season and uh swig and swing for those that, uh, are interested in, uh, drinking beer and playing golf or at least trying to play golf after a couple of beers. Uh, the Swig and Swing Tournament's uh, October 9th. It's that Friday of homecoming, and uh, we got seven breweries. I'm testing out one of the beers right now, and uh, it's going to be a great time. Uh, it's, it's a cool event. It, uh, all the funds go towards uh, the Sugarloaf Ski Club and uh, Carl's Kids. So for those that uh, are looking for something to do, can't find a tea time at Trigolove, come jump in, play, uh, play in the swig and swing on October 9th. And yes, I am throwing a little, uh, mini promo in there. Nice. All right. Well, you guys heard it first from us, the picks for this week's U S open. Uh, we'd love to see your picks. We'll be sure to post that up on Instagram. You can always find us there and Facebook. And, uh, if you guys have any recommendations for, future episodes or guests we certainly appreciate it and uh zach it's been nice catching up nice chat with you all right henry uh hopefully we can do this soon this has been another episode of main golf talk